Hey everyone, it's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. I'm Sailor and I'm flying high again. Damn, guys, I am so excited to be talking about my main man, Ozzy Osbourne, tonight. Yes, the Oz man, and so am I. And uh, as you can tell from my voice, uh, unfortunately, we're missing a member tonight. Jake could not be with us, but we will pour one out for the Jake man, definitely. Uh, and I can Hell say yeah. we've banked a few. Of, oh yeah, we've banked a few of these episodes already. I feel like we're starting to get the hang of this, guys. What about what about you? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. okay okay maybe we need to work on some more stuff well to uh any of our veteran listeners who are coming back or any new blood out there that's listening for the first time on this show we do typically compare two albums from one artist against each other uh we will discuss uh for the most part we will argue and uh very professionally debate the merits and in the end only one album our artist reigns supreme and tonight we're doing exactly that so, um, do you guys know where Jake is tonight, actually? You'd like me to tell you? Where is he? So, he is um, dressed up as Elsa, and he is um, shoveling out police cars from snowy roads in Michigan. That's what he's doing tonight. What a guy. I know. Mm. Stand-up individual. I know. Jake's the best. I miss him. Yeah. So much. <laughs> so... I'm sick again, guys. Sorry. I sound like shit again. I just can't. Hey, it wouldn't get be a- an episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey if we didn't have at least one person who was sick. Exactly. Right. Or snowed in, you know. We should call it Metal <laughs> Snot and Whiskey. Because I got the snot covered. <laughs> metal Snot and Whiskey. Ooh. So, yes. On this podcast, we compare two albums from one artist against each other. And tonight, this is the second episode of our Prince of Darkness series. That's right, we will be discussing again and debating the man himself, Ozzy Osbourne. And we're going to start talking tonight about the Blizzard of Oz, and we're going to put that up against Diary of a Madman. And then at the end of the show, we have to decide which album comes out on top. Some guy went at one gig on the last tour through a bat on stage and, and every night we do a gig you get all these crazy people that come and throw these, this junk on stage and you know I thought it was one of these rubber bats I picked it up and it was a real bat you know, was it alive? well it was till I bit the head of it you know and of course we cannot forget the other little thing that is equally important to all of us we are all whiskey nerds and on this show we not only drink large amounts of whiskey But we also talk about it. We know a thing or two. Uh, Each show, one of us will parry whiskey with the theme of the show. And tonight, that will be Sailor. Hey, usually I say, hey, Jake, before we get into this discussion of my whiskey pairing, let's say hi to these fuckers here with us, Matt and Ed. But you're already here with us. Jake's not here. It's weird, so I don't know what the hell to say. I'm here. Hi, listeners. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. (laughs) <laughs> you like how i changed better okay. half fuckers yes <laughs> again i was told i should curse a little more apparently i'd, the I'd say i've been it. called worse but i don't know if i have <laughs> <laughs> i certainly have <laughs> you're welcome ed 
I guess I should try really hard tonight to have my radio voice since I sound like, <clears throat> I don't know what, a smoker drowning in snot, I guess. I don't know. That's weird to picture. Is it? <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's happened. Gross. Yeah. I'm just going to drink whiskey and shut up. There you go. Good plan. Uh, <laughs> Drinking whiskey anyway. Ow, damn. <laughs> 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 and you're all saucy tonight. <laughs> hey, I've been pre-gaming. Oh. oh, you're taking Jake's place. I see how it is. We all Fair have to compensate course. for Jake not being exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. Someone's got to step department. up. Yeah, he, he probably drinks us all under the table before we even start <laughs> recording. <laughs> so, Jake, here's real... to you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, real quick, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, well, given the fact that we are recording three days before St. Patty's Day, I am pulled out the bottle of Jameson. Just nothing, nothing fancy, just the standard uh, Jameson triple distilled Irish blended whiskey, which I haven't had in a while, actually, and... Um, I'm remembering, yeah, I, I do like this. This is pretty good. It's not bad. It's a good little uh, change of pace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Insert barf emoji. How about you guys? Uh, well, I'm drinking something from the same distillery, a little bit higher price, and that's Green Spot, uh, which is a single pot still, uh, like I said, from Middleton. Um, you know, it, Ranges in price, usually from about 60 to $80 on the shelf, depending on where you're going, if it's on sale. Uh, but very nice uh, refill bourbon and uh, Oloroso sherry casks. Nice orchard fruit, little pepper spice. All around a very solid Irish. How about you, Sailor? Um, I am drinking Michter's bourbon tonight. It's uh, a big favorite. And it's a great, like, everyday pour. Um, not feeling super well. I have a head cold again. Super pissed about it. So my taste buds aren't completely awake and there because they're fighting the, the snot. Mm. So I'll usually just go for my daily drinkers to kill the bugs. So, uh, yeah. Make okay. And while we're on the subject of whiskey, I noticed something on this bottle I'm drinking here. And you guys might be able to answer it for this question for me. I know that for bourbon, when we say bourbon whiskey is typically, well, except for Maker's Mark, typically spelled with an E. And then Scottish whiskey is typically spelled without the E. But Irish whiskey, I noticed on this bottle of Jameson it has the E. Is that typical for Irish whiskeys? Uh, most of the Irish I've seen actually does have the e in it okay most of it yeah so it's prim- um, primarily at a my... scottish thing then huh it's not yeah, a I mean, rule for it's not it's i know it's, it's not, not a rule yeah. i'm just talking about like you know what's generally done or generally seen i think with irish whiskey it really depends i've seen it both ways um but a lot of the irish whiskey that's heavily sold in the u.s they tend to use the e in there although there was recently a craft irish whiskey that came out i wish i could remember the name of it and they have the e and they got a lot of shit for it which i thought was really weird people were using um 
some bigger brands as an example. I don't know why they took so much shit for it, but yeah, I'm sure they probably use Jameis as an example, um, given that's like yeah. the best selling Irish whiskey in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, it was all just more preference, really. I mean, I did catch some flack from a lot of the American whiskey drinkers that I befriended who, you know, they're like, oh, put the E in, put the E in. So that's why I left it out. There's some American whiskey that doesn't have the E in it, though. Some of well, the yeah, other. yeah. Like like he mentioned, Makers does not. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I don't think there's any hard and fast rule for it. it just Spell it however the fuck right. you want. Exactly. Boom. Well... I think, going back to metal and rock, I think, Sailor, you might have some news for us tonight. I do. I do. So... Former Guns N' Roses and Velvet Revolver drummer Matt Sorum has launched a site called Artbit. The website was created to help struggling artists who are sharing their talent with little to no monetary return, which is easy to do these days because of the internet. Um, So Artbit provides exposure and capital, capital to independent artists while protecting their intellectual property and giving them tools that they need to manage the business side of the industry. Um, so to, to get in depth into exactly what Artbit does and how they do it is, is really quite complex. Um, so I, I'll just give you like a small synopsis. So Artbit users will be able to put on live shows and perform while connecting with fans around the world who can interact with the band by liking and sharing these performances and both the band and the fans can generate micro income for the artists and the public. So Mm, there's like gaming connected to it, all kinds of, there's all kinds of stuff connected to it, which was really interesting, but really complex. And I didn't want to try to re explain it. Um, So right now, if you want to learn more about it, you can just go to the Artbit site and um, you have to sign up and and you'll get more information about it. But the concept is really, really interesting. And the reason that he was inspired um, and got a lot of input from other very well-known musicians also was because when he was a struggling musician um, before he made it big with Guns N' Roses, you know, he was giving himself away a lot. He was giving his intellectual property away a lot. And that's very common. And it happens so much. And even more so now, it's even harder um, to make a living off of music in some ways because of the Internet. So um, so it's a really cool thing. Um, it sounds really positive. Um, it was launched at South by Southwest this week or last week or something like that. Um, so I'm really interested to see if it does well. I hope it does because I think it sounds like a really great tool. It does. Absolutely. Sweet. Yeah, I think so. Wave of, the fu- wave of the future. Yes. Yeah. So, guys, you're all Weird Al fans, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the man. So um, <laughs> I have some really awesome news about him. Uh, he wrote a song called Hamilton Polka, the mm-hmm. Hamilton Polka. And it debuted on the comedy digital sales track charts, which is like a, apparently a, one of the new charts. Um, but to like actually make it on that chart, you, you have to get a lot of, I don't know if it's streams or downloads or whatever. So apparently... He took Lynn Manuel's Hamilton and put it into the whole thing into a five minute polka song. 
It is so awesome. I'm going to play you a clip. Are you ready? Yeah. In the world, the world turned upside down. 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 Turned upside down, 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 down. Hey! That guy's a genius. That guy's an absolute genius. Hey, not only am I going to make this whole thing into a five-minute song, but to polka music. So, fuck. I love it. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that little piece of amazingness with you guys. (laughs) So, in other news, there is a new documentary that is about to come out on the band Kitty. It's called Origins and Evolutions and will be out March 30th. The band, if you remember, you say, um, is a Canadian. I'm sorry, did you say Kitty? Yeah. Like Kitty Cat. You don't remember Kitty? No, I don't. I remember Faster what? Pussycat, but I don't remember Kitty. <laughs> oh, of course you do. We're old. <laughs> <laughs> so Kitty is a Canadian metal band that was formed in Ontario in 1996. Such a metal name, Kitty. They- <laughs> They have released six studio albums and really broke into the U.S. scene by playing Ozfest and touring with Slipknot in the early 2000s. They just recently celebrated the 20th anniversary of their first show, and the original lineup got together and played a reunion show in their hometown, um, which I think is London, Ontario, to be exact. So um, their story is pretty cool. Um, I'm always a huge fan of Chicks and Rock chicks and metal and um i i always really liked them and uh their journey is really interesting um being a woman in music is hard enough being women in metal forget it being you know even at that time it wasn't like it got a whole lot better so um it's supposed to be really really interesting i'm really looking forward to it okay now they're sisters they're sisters right a couple of them are sisters oh okay so this is a female band i was picturing a bunch of heavy metal dudes we're kitty (laughs) no it's a full female did i not say (laughs) no no not until later (laughs) no i'm sorry (laughs) We're Kitty. Roll. <laughs> All right. Now it's starting to make it a little happen. more sense. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I suck at the news. You should fire me, guys. You've got job That's security. That's it. That's your rock and roll. <laughs> do I? Who, who would we replace you with? <laughs> who would want to do it? <laughs> I don't know. Someone who's actually professional. <laughs> And isn't choking on their own phlegm all the time. Well, thanks for that, Sailor. I appreciate it. (laughs) You're so welcome. So welcome, guys. So, transitioning from the news, we're going to take it back to Sailor for this week's whiskey segment. What do you got for us? So the whiskey I chose for these two albums is Blood Oath Pact 2, which was released in 2016. It's a straight bourbon. It comes in at 98.6 proof. 
And it's a blend of three different bourbons, uh, a seven-year-old high rye bourbon finished in port barrels, an 11-year-old weeded bourbon, and another 11-year-old high rye bourbon. So Blood Oath, if you're not familiar with them, is a series of high-end bourbon bottlings by John Rempe that blend distinctive, well-aged sourced whiskeys. Each bottling is given a pack number as opposed to batch numbers, and each label design reflects the differences in each pack. These expressions are absolutely a collector's dream. Um, I'm just going to read to you a little piece from the written by the creator um, of Blood Oath uh, from their website, which I just thought was so cool. Every batch of Blood Oath is the undertaking of one man, a student of both bourbon and science, loyal to no one family, favoring no one distillery, and bound by no one philosophy. This bourbon connoisseur has one goal in mind to seek out bourbons rare and wonderful, famous and forgotten, then bottle them in combinations previously unimagined for a lucky few. Not to cater to anyone's loyalties, he has sworn to never reveal where he finds his bourbon, but only to promise to choose and make the best he knows. Loose lips never tasted something so special. Pretty awesome. So I think that sounds pretty fucking rebellious and badass. No matter what, just like... Just like Ozzy. So no matter what anybody says about Ozzy, to me, he'll always be a badass and a rebel. And he's the ultimate front man. I mean, to survive Sharon for all these years, Jesus Christ. And I don't know why, but still today, the word blended with American whiskey is still a stigma. It shouldn't be get over it, guys. Fucking hell, let's get past it already. So it's pretty badass to come out with something like this, especially um, at the price point. And I feel like, you had to take a blood oath many, many years ago to be a diehard, true lifetime Aussie fan, as I am, even through the crappy periods, even through the shitty Sharon periods. So blood oath felt really apropos for this marriage here. I was lucky enough to be able to have a share of a pack two a while ago and screw the haters, just like the Aussie haters. This bourbon was damn delicious. So on the nose of this bourbon, it's a little dusty, much like Ozzy is these days. <laughs> but right behind that <laughs> is spice, oak, and fruit. Again, probably just like Ozzy. He's a little fruity. The flavor of the whiskey is really fantastic. It's sweet with plenty of honey, nice balance of woodsiness. You get a lot of peach and apple right up front. I think the blend is masterful and worthy of praise no matter what you think of the price point. It retails at around 100 bucks. Um, just like buying an Aussie album, he may not have written anything on it, but it's still fucking great because he's on it. This bourbon also has a really nice velvety texture to it, sort of what you would expect Ozzy's library that's filled with many leather-bound books to be like. Dark, sweet-smelling, maybe incense, blood-red velvet curtains and textiles. I know I'm waxing a little poetic here, but the cheese is intentional. Finding bottles of blood oath can be a challenge if you are not an experienced hunter. I do not collect. Lucky in for me in my line of work, I get to sample pretty much anything I want. Um, so I'm not a collector, just an experienced drinker. Um, Pack 4 has just come out, I think just, or it's about to come out this month. Um, I'm not on the hunt to buy bottles, but um, I'm actually now on the hunt to collect a bunch of samples from each pack so that I can compare them all to each other. So if anybody wants to trade or send me a sample, holla. (laughs) So in summation, this bourbon is a really great blend 
of things well-aged and well-crafted and makes a really good product, just like most Aussie albums. And that is my whiskey pairing for the week. Awesome. And to be, you know, blood oath ever anybody? I have not actually. I, I had seen it in recent weeks. I actually was in a store that had all three on the shelf. What? I can't say that I've ever seen it. It's Wait, like you, you got to go buy back. all three at once. Yeah. We'll all pool. We'll all pool together. Go back. Go get them. <laughs> we'll pool in. I'll, I'll see if those they were marked down considerably, so I'm sure they've been oh. sitting there for a while. Really? Okay. Yeah, I know. We'll yeah. talk about this after the show. <laughs> Do this. Um, I, well, that yeah. pack two was re. I mean, it was really, really good. I have a tough time spending a hundred dollars on a bottle. Not that that is not an outrageous price anymore, more by any means. Um, but uh, because I'm not a collector, I guess that's a little steep for me. But um, I don't know. Special things, I'm getting a little more comfortable spending that. So I think I would probably go for it on one of these guys. It was really, really good, and I just think the whole idea of them—they're so cool. Well, I suppose so, you know if thing. it's unique enough then you could justify the the spend um yeah but yeah if you're going to spend that kind of money you want to be able to get something that is unique and you're not going to get in anything else for a lesser price i suppose right and i'm with you 100 percent on the blended thing because it and it transcends american whiskey too you know you see it with scotch you see it with even Irish sometimes is that somewhere along the way, the word blended denoted lack of quality, which is totally not true. Completely not true. Did that. The rectifiers oh, yeah. did that. Those bastards. But that was yeah, like back yeah. in when, really? like the twenties, thirties, something like that. But, but yeah, we still get it today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why the whole bottle and bond act happened. But then what really fucked it up was Canadian whiskey during prohibition. <sighs> you know, they were just, throwing things out as fast and furious as they can because people were desperate for whiskey and they were so close to us. They made so much money off of selling whiskey to Americans during Prohibition, really, and, and the rest of the world for a little while, as, as did Scotch, but the Canadians just blended garbage upon garbage and so blended whiskey, that did not help. An already bad name, but these days, come on, people. If you're blending quality whiskeys, then go for it. Yeah, and so. master blenders, you know, in some ways are almost it's a more it's much more difficult than distilling to be a blender Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. truly i mean i've done both and i would say i mean the the palette you have to have and not just the the memory and just knowing how to get the same product over and over and over but just you know curating like that um the it's very challenging and i think you have to have a very unique palette to be able to do that um so yeah I, i mean yeah, get over the whole blended thing, people, please. Yeah, and I won't say anything bad about Canada this week, I promise. I'm sure they appreciate that, Matt. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you, Canada. Last week? Did we do this last week, too? Yes. We accidentally shit all over Canada. Yes. That was either last week or the week before. Well, we're not actually shitting on Canada. No, you, gave me, on- you gave me the greatest sport on Earth. I can't be mad at you. Curling? No, ice <laughs> hockey. <laughs> ice hockey. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't know. Curling, I curling. curling is the second greatest sport on earth. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> oh my god! 
That's all. No, we're just shitting on the crappy distilleries during Prohibition, yes. not actually Canada, no. to be fair. Canada right? has some Canadian fine distilleries, people. I'm sure. Indeed. Mm. I'm sure they do. Yep. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, don't take my word for it. <laughs> take Ed's word for it. That's what I meant. I'm taking Ed's word for it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. All right. What's next? Should let's we talk, talk about... Yeah, let's talk about Blizzard of Oz. Blizzard of Oz. Wine is fine, but whiskers work on suicide. Slow with it. Take a bottle. All right, so. We left off last week with Ozzy sadly being fired from Black Sabbath for being a wild man. So Blizzard of Oz is the debut solo album. Did I just say debut? Yes, you did. Why does that sound weird? I don't, I don't know. know. Well, 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 it is. It's, it fits. It is, but debut. it just sounds weird. It's Ozzy's debut. You ever say a word and it just sounds weird? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's the debut. <laughs> it's the debut solo album by Ozzy Osbourne. It was released in September of 1980 in the UK and March of 1981 in the US. This was Osbourne's first release since his firing from Black Sabbath in 79. Blizzard of Oz is the first of two albums Osbourne records with Randy Rhodes, of course, prior to Randy's death, sadly, in 82. Most of the album was written by Randy Rhodes, bassist Bob Daisley, and a little bit of Ozzy in Wales. Um, a friend of Osborne's named Barry Screnage performed as the group's drummer, though Screnage was never considered as a candidate to be the group's permanent drummer, and he was not involved in the songwriting process at all. This album was a huge commercial success. Ozzy wouldn't achieve that success again, actually, until No More Tears in 1991. The band recorded demos of the songs I Don't Know, Crazy Train, Goodbye to Romance, and You Looking at Me Looking at You in Birmingham in early 1980 with ex-Lone Star drummer Dixie Lee. The band actually hoped that Lee would be their permanent drummer, but he just wasn't the final piece of the puzzle, Daisley said. Mr. Crowley What do you think, guys, as a first out of the gate for the Ozman? Well, I will say one thing. Um, Blizzard of Oz has my favorite Ozzy song of all time, Crazy Drain. Probably his biggest song of all time, I would say. I think you're probably right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most well-known. Well, you know, when, when, when one door closes, another opens. And uh, he was eager to start his solo stuff. Um, I find it funny that, you know, before the album was released, they played a, f uh, concert, I think somewhere in England in 1979 or 80. Uh, and they were simply known as Ozzy Osbourne's new band. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah, actually, yeah. so they, very, so they, auditioned, very original. they auditioned a lot of drummers yeah. and, um, ex Uriah Heep, Lee Kerslake was hired as the band's permanent drummer and that completed the lineup. 
Um, and then, so when they went to record this album, um, well, first of all, Ozzy thought his career was over after being fired from Black Sabbath. Sure. Um, so yeah, he was super eager um, to, to try and keep his foot in the game. Um, so Chris, I can never say this guy's name. Tan, I don't. Sangrides? Sangrides was originally hired (laughs) to produce the album (laughs) with Max Norman to serve as a studio engineer. Um, But Osborne and the band were unhappy with that dude's name. (laughs) (laughs) It's too hard to pronounce. (laughs) It's like you you nailed all the songs, but we just don't like your fucking name. They were like, hey, fuck this guy. (laughs) Say your fucking name, eh? Yeah, imagine (laughs) Ozzy trying to say that name. <laughs> so he was replaced by Norman. Um, so and he Norman stepped in and he completed producing and engineering. And um, but he's uncredited on that album, which is so weird because he went on to produce all of the other albums prior to '86. Um, but so at the time of the recording, the band itself was billed as the Blizzard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, right after that uh, festival. And um, they were, it was supposed to be, be Ozzy Osbourne's new band with Ozzy as O-S-S-I-E. Um, so when the album was released, the words Ozzy Osbourne were in bigger print than Blizzard of Oz. So it made it look like it was an Ozzy, Al- Ozzy album called mm-hmm. the Blizzard of Oz and he just had a backing band. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge problem for the band members because mm-hmm. that's not how they saw it. They saw it as they were all a band. So why should it be called Ozzy Osbourne? So that was the beginning of a lot of controversy. Um, in addition to, con- to controversy about who wrote the album and, the re- of course, the recording of it. Um, so there was an entertainment attorney, Steve Mashett, who was involved in the deal um, when Osbourne signed with Jeff- Jet Records. And, um, and he wrote a book in 2011 called God's Gangsters and Honor, a rock and roll odyssey, and said that, Osborne's soon-to-be manager and wife Sharon Arden was not happy with the level of creative input that Rhodes, Daisley, and Kerslake had in the Blizzard of Oz album and did not want them to share in the credit. Um, and Max Norman has concurred with this and backed him up and said um, they made considerable songwriting contributions um, during the whole time they were with the band and uh, said that the Osborne camp probably wants to dispute that now. So let me just give you a little little nugget here about (laughs) about our girl, Sharon. So in interviews, Sharon has said that the recording of Blizzard of Oz was one of the best experiences of her life. Guess what? Bitch was actually in Los Angeles during the recording and not yet involved with the band hands on. Osborne's then wife, Thelma, was actually the one present at the studios for much of the recording. Like we didn't already know, Sharon was full of complete shite. It's a poor one out. Well, you never know. That could be why she thought it was so great because she didn't have to be there when it happened. Exactly. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It was one of the best times of my life before I got involved with the band. Fuck over. You're gonna see this as a common theme with these first three or four Ozzy solo albums. This whole writing credit, not writing credit who perform what sort of problem, you will see that as a common thread with these first few albums we're going to talk about. Yes. Yeah. So, um, 
I actually didn't discover this album first. My first album that introduced me to Ozzy himself was Ultimate Sin. My dad was a huge Sabbath fan, so I'd heard tons of Sabbath, but never Ozzy solo. And I think it was like 13 or something like that. And uh, my friend was dating an older guy, and we were over at his house, and they were like making out on the couch, and I was bored, and I was putting on records. <laughs> and I put on Ultimate Sin, and I was just like, what? I know that we'll get into that later when we actually talk about Ultimate Sin. But I was like, what? And then I found out who he was, and that he was a singer of Black Sabbath, and I was like, oh my God, and I went and bought every tape. So, um, yeah, I love this album. See, now I actually didn't get into Ozzy when I was was younger. Um, I knew him from the radio, but that was about it. I didn't buy albums. Um, I wasn't really a... Well, you know, I enjoyed his music on the radio, but I wouldn't consider myself a fan. I didn't go out and seek out the albums and everything. So, actually, this... This gave me an opportunity for the first time to actually listen to uh, some of these albums uh, through from beginning to end for the actual first time ever. And so it was interesting because a lot of these songs on here, you know, the ones that aren't the hits, I've heard for the first time ever. So that gives me a little interesting perspective (laughs) on this, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I got into... I mean, you guys got a few years on me. Um, so, you know, I first hearing about Ozzy as the person before the music, you hear about the crazy stories, the, you know, the metal life stories, the the bat incident, you know, suicide solution, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, you know, Nikki, Nikki Six had a, a story in his biography about, you know, Ozzy snorting a line of ants on the ground. <laughs> When there was no when there was no coke left, so they they dared him to do it, and he fucking snorted a line of ants oh, off the ground. The guy was freaking nuts. Uh, so you hear the stories, and I got into the music later. And uh, there's a song called "Secret Loser," which is on uh, "Ultimate Sin," which we'll talk about again at a later time. Uh, was my first Ozzy song, and you know, knowing he was in Black Sabbath, though I figured it was Black Sabbath. I didn't know that there was two distinct Ozzy periods. Um, but then, you know, reads discovering his solo stuff, uh, versus the black Sabbath stuff and, you know, blizzard of Oz. I mean, what can you say? I mean, right out of the gate. Um, I don't know. Great opening song, crazy train, of course, Mr. Crowley. Uh, I mean, the hits keep, keep coming, you know, the later songs on the album are good as well. And, you know, for a guy who got his fame from this huge band to be able to put out such a successful album right away uh right after you know being unceremonial unceremoniously let go from that first band uh i think it's a testament to um how talented he is and how talented one mr randy rhodes is by the way oh yeah i give a lot of credit to randy rhodes um yeah Yeah, i think he was an awesome guitarist and so it's a bummer that he wasn't able to you know kind of like like cliff burton it's a bummer he wasn't able to stick around and um It'd be interesting to see what they would have come up with. Very true. And, you know, I was, I've been told the analogy, someone told me it was a good analogy. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't give credit to who told me, but, um, you know, between the dichotomy of the relationship between Ozzy and Naomi and Ozzy in, and Rhodes is kind of like being in a marriage for a long time, having a bitter divorce, going out, <clears throat> being a free man and finding like that 
hot young chick, you know, who's like, oh, I can do everything, but a little bit better, you know, than your other partner. And that marriage just worked for two amazing. I mean, they had their problems, obviously, um, with the recording of these two albums. But uh, I thought that was kind of a funny analogy that the person told me about that. I think what's interesting to me is Ozzy wasn't really functioning well. I mean, I don't know that he ever functions well, but <laughs> let's say worse than normal. <laughs> he functions. Um, I mean, he was in rough shape during this. I think like there's something about him that's just so unique and special, I guess, that this is you come out of the gate with this and it's this amazing and this well received when you're like non-functioning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just <laughs> kind of I mean obviously it's a testament to the rest of the band for sure, but it you know he's just unique. There's something magical about him in a way. He's kind of stood the test of time and outlived people that were far healthier, you know, and should still be here and and he's still kicking you know i mean when um, when, pu- when push comes to shove you know despite how however strung out he is he gets the job done you know he does he, he does all the time yeah i mean it could be because sharon threatens his life i don't know yeah, it could be <laughs> i mean scary bitch so kind of wouldn't i'd be afraid too but uh i think like i love the themes of this album as well um <laughs> porn and horror movies and Aleister Crowley but it's like so of the time I kind of feel like those it's kind of how I remember like the late 70s and early 80s like with a lot of like wood paneling and like black velvet painting oh yeah and and, um yeah so it was a weird I mean, I definitely think like all those decade transitions are weird, but that was a particularly really strange one, um, the 70s to 80s transition. Yeah. And I think you can hear that in, in the music. Um, what I always, it's funny because I always forget that Crazy Train is on this album. I feel like Crazy Train is so different than the rest of the album. Do you guys feel like that? Yeah, yeah. I, I can see where you would you would get that. Um, it's just such a standout um, from everything else. It's the 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 tempo of the song and everything else is is just just different. Yeah, I think it's really different. But I love I love I think I love every song in this album. Honestly, um, I don't think there's I don't know maybe steal away. I don't love as much. I don't know. The re- I, I love I love most of the songs on this album, but I think it was it set the stage. It definitely sets the stage for for Ozzy's career. It's you know he's. I think he found his sound, which again, like in your first album, to find your sound. I think we talked about that kind of with Metallica as well. You know, to be so amazing out of the gate, that's that's true staying power, mm-hmm. of course. You know, um, and I mean Randy's guitar work is so incredible and he was so talented so yeah i love this album yeah i mean the word i always use for randy rhodes is maestro i mean the guy is just a complete virtuoso with the guitar and you know there's no better examples than these two albums we're talking about tonight so absolutely i mean guys the guy's absolutely incredible and it's a shame 
classically trained artist. Yeah. Um, you know, really well versed in so many different styles of music. Big, you know, he was a preacher of music theory and um, so super talented. Well, yeah, you mentioned the, him being classically trained. I remember um, I was watching an interview with Ozzy saying that um, Randy Rhodes was actually. It sounded like he, he sounded like he was ready to depart from the band and go back to uh, uh, more of a classical style of guitar and get away from from the metal and stuff. It's almost like I don't know how you know. I hate to keep you know harping on Cliff Burton. I mean, the similarities are there. Yeah, you know, completely. Yeah. Oh, I think they're. I, I mean, I think there's a reason why everyone draws similarities between them all the time. They're kind of grouped together. Um, you know, there's so many similarities with them. The The one thing I think is interesting, you know, we can talk more about this. We're going to move on to Diary in a minute, um, is what was going on with Randy, actually, and if he would have stayed with Ozzy. Mm-hmm. It's very, very debatable, which would have changed, I think, a lot. I think more than how his death affected Ozzy. Um, him leaving, I think, would have been a whole different situation. But um, what if he would have stayed, though? You know, like we did this with Metallica as well. What would that have sounded like? How would that change things? It, it, I think if he would have stayed, it would have been with the condition that he has a lot more control over songwriting and a lot more input. And I really wish I could hear what that would have sounded like. You know, what, what thing about Ozzy Osbourne, and I think we're kind of uh, glossing over, is the whole um, persona or Ozzy Osbourne, the character. You know, because as opposed to a, a band like Metallica that we've been talking about, I mean, they, they just went out there and played, and they were who they were. They didn't put on an act. But Ozzy, actually, he put on an act. I mean, big time. He went out there, yeah. you know, there was the whole bad incident in, and, um, <laughs> you know, all the whole elaborate, scary stage sets. And mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, that's really not who he was. He's just, a, you know, kind of a regular guy, but he had this big um, character, this whole theatrical show he had to put on, and that... Um, of course, from what I vividly remember as a kid, that was, I think, probably the first time I ever heard of him was the whole controversy about Ozzy Osbourne and, you know, talking about whenever we would hear about, you know, evil rock and roll or whatever, he would, of course, be the poster boy for, yeah. you know, how rock and roll will send you to hell or, or whatever. Do you know the real story about biting the head off? The bat that it wasn't a bat. I've heard it before, but why don't you uh, relay the story for our listeners? So, um, I'll I'll say that there was a there's an interview somewhere where Sharon and Ozzy tell the story together, and it's hysterical. Um, so they it was when they had signed the the new record deal for Ozzy, and they were with all the record executives, and Ozzy was being on his best behavior. He was super nervous, but she had him sobered up and. You know, they were all really excited. It was a really happy occasion. He was supposed to open the box and release the doves. And he just ripped the head off of one of them, like, 
he flipped out. He was so anxious and nervous. And she was like, Ozzy, what the fuck did you do that? He was like, I don't know. Well, that was... That was at a uh, like a with like company record company executives though too right yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. like a big meeting yeah they've just signed this deal that's right everybody in the room is like what the fuck <laughs> Sharon's flipping out he flips out and after that they staged it where he bit the head off of it it wasn't a real bat um, for a promo thing and it was constantly. You know, like, oh, Ozzy, bite the head off of this thing. Bite the head no, off of but that thing. No, but what I heard in the documentary I saw, I saw an interview with Ozzy. He was talking about how people were always throwing crazy stuff up on the stage, you know, plastic snakes, whatever, oh. you know. And he, pick, he picked up one, um, and he thought it was fake, but it was actually a real bat. It was real. That he actually yeah. bit the head off of. But everybody else on the band said that's not true. Said it was fake. They're like they said okay. he just and he fucked said up. he had to go to the hospital or whatever. But I don't know. Get rabies shots. So right? he said he had to get rabies I'm, I'm shots. I'm sure Ozzy's memory is kind of fuzzy about those times anyway. <laughs> so who knows what the real story is? Well, yeah. they after they were like where they were trying to find it, like to make sure it was a real one, and they couldn't find it. And so of course they had to take him for precaution. Okay, sure. But. The band, the rest of the band was like, I don't think that was a real one. I think he's just fucked up. I think he was high. <laughs> yeah, every, they would always throw shit on stage for him to bite the head off of. But he but, always said yeah. he was sober I mean, for performances, though. As much as he drank. No. And everything. He's always said he, he was sober for performances. That's what he claims. Anyway. I know. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. So let's talk about Diary of a Madman since we already kind of got into it a little bit. So, Diary is Ozzy's second solo album. It was released in 81, really quickly after um, Blizzard. And, again, more controversy on this album in reference to the actual writers versus those who were credited and not credited and subsequently fired. This is the first album that actually Sharon is at the management helm. Previously, it was her brother David as the on-site band manager, and Sharon was kind of off-site overseeing um, so the way everyone tells the story other than Ozzy is that basically she comes on site and just says, fuck you to the band. So let's just for accuracy's sake, clear up who actually did what. So Randy Rose was on guitar. He was actually credited. Obviously he wrote the music. Bob Daisley was the bassist, but Rudy Sarzo toured. Lee Kerslake was on drums. Tommy Aldridge toured. Johnny Cook of Rainbow was on keys, but Don Airy toured. So Daisley and Kerslake were fired before the album was actually released, and they were not given credit for their performance or their songwriting contributions. And that later led to a lawsuit, and the guys won their credit and royalties. So apparently what happened is Sharon fired them when they came back from a break after writing the album. The whole thing is so sketchy and underhanded, and even Tommy Aldrin himself Aldridge himself admits in interviews that he did not play drums on the album, even though he's credited. Sharon is a fucking asshole. Um, They also said that they weren't given any money to live on, any food money or anything during the recording of the album, which is highly unusual. 
um, when you're signed to a label. So <clears throat> the reception for this album was pretty positive, and most of that credit, um, critics said, went to Randy Rhodes and his writing and his playing. Um, again, again, there was controversy because in 2002, there was an altered version of the album that was released with the original bass and drum parts removed and re-recorded, and that led to yet another lawsuit, and Sharon lost again. Batch. So this is, of course, the last album that Randy recorded before his tr very tragic death. And um, this is the least performed live set by Ozzy. And every time he's asked about that, he gets gives different answers. So <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it's the controversy of songwriting. Sometimes it's because it's too, you know, too much memory of Randy. Sometimes he doesn't have an answer. So I don't know. Um, this happens to be one of my favorite favorite Ozzy albums. I love Diary of Madman. Can we talk about how bad the album cover is? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so bad, it's great. I know. I know it's signs of the times, but I mean, my god. No, I don't think it was signs of the time. I think it well, was No, bad. I mean, but I mean, you mentioned it earlier, the, the whole thematic it was part of the time and the whole thematic eerie sort of you know, ensemble yeah, if you will. Still kind of hokey though believe it or not like well they get hokier but <laughs> not much do. yeah so um i mean for him I was, yeah <laughs> i was in the i think it was the eight i don't know the eighth yeah i think i was in the eighth grade and so i had so yeah i must have been 13 i guess or however the fuck old you are i don't know um and i had mentioned that i heard ultimate sin and then went out and like got all of ozzy tapes well i asked for my birthday because my birthday was like right after that um for you know specific metal tapes is what I wanted so there was this one girl god I wish I could remember her name she was like she was a pretty like straight laced girl I don't know why she was hanging out with us <laughs> bad rocker girls but um she and her mom went to buy the tape and I'll never forget like it was an ice skating rink birthday party and I unwrap it and I'm like super excited. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. It's Diary of mm -hmm. Madman, right? And so she goes, yeah, my mom was a little freaked out when we chose it at the record store, but I assured her that it wasn't really devil music. <laughs> and I just have, I have this memory. Her mom was such like a, she wore like crocheted vests and drove a minivan. Like, <laughs> you know, she like baked. She was always bringing baked goods, like now children, oh, like Mrs. Poole or something. I just imagine her paying for Diary of a Madman. Like, what the fuck this lady must have thought? With that album I'm cover, impressed oh that she actually went through with it. <laughs> that, me too. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I mean, um, I yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a great album. I mean, between this and Blizzard of Oz, I mean, how can you? I mean, one A and one B. It's so tough. Um. You know, flying high again. You, know, you say over the mountain. What a oh my god! Awesome opening that. song. Oh, so good. What awesome! You song. can't kill rock and roll. That's another pretty good one too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a what? There's a song in there. There's a, a little bit of trivia here. S A T O. Do you guys know uh, what that stands for? I do. Well, S is Sharon, right? right? Yeah. It's not Sharon, all it's kids initials, Adrian, yeah. Thelma, and Ozzy. Uh -huh. 
So because Sharon at the time had a boyfriend called Adrian, and Ozzy's current wife at the time was Thelma. Oh. So anyway. I always say something else, and I, like, brain farted and couldn't remember how it goes. There's an alternative, which, you know, isn't true, but I totally forgot what it was, and I was trying to look it up. I couldn't find it. Um, so in some, some reviewers thought that Randy was lacking in progression from Blizzard to Mm, Diary, but I totally wrong. Totally wrong. Mm, And I read so many places. I'm like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Like, I think he was in a sweet spot with Diary. Totally. Mm -hmm. I don't know where you get that at all. I mean, I don't even say, I wouldn't even say that there's any like, like linear movement. I mean, I do think he progresses. I think he sounds better on this album than on Absolutely. as great as he sounded on Blizzard. I think he sounds better on this album. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Same with Ozzy. Like I think his voice is so good on Diary. I mean the the change of styles. You know that they. It's like this neoclassical metal style. I just I think. Everybody did a phenomenal job. I just think this is a stellar, stellar album. And really, um, I didn't, I mean, I guess once I listened to all the other Ozzy albums, I went back to Ultimate Sin. And I can't say that I love every single song on it, but um, I don't know. This is this is it for me. Yeah, what is it about Ozzy's voice? For some reason, when he sings, there something happens there it almost sounds like they're playing with it you know electronically but because it's so consistent throughout all his albums and you know i I have to think that's just the way his his uh, voice comes across when he sings the only other singer i can think of that comes across with a similar type of thing going on with his voice would be stephen piercy of rat if you you kind of know what i'm talking does that make sense yeah 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 i could see that yeah, but I mean, we, you know, we we discussed this last week how, um, you know, Ozzy has a unique voice, and Tony Iommi has a unique style, and they complement each other mm-hmm. perfectly. But then you listen to these albums, and you're mm-hmm. like, well, you know, maybe he had a little bit more better of relationship, better synergy, music synergy. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. I was trying to find the word, I couldn't find it with uh with Randy Rhodes because you're talking about two completely different guitar players and one unique voice and. It both sounds they both sound killer. Mm-hmm. They do, but I would agree with you totally. Mm. I think Ozzy and Randy had a synergy that was un, uh, unbelievable, yep. absolutely unbelievable. And <clears throat> you know, Randy was having a tough time. He was he was unhappy at being seen as a backup band. Um, he said that um, he felt that in Blizzard there was still a lot of Sabbath sound, and he wanted to get away from that. And so um, and so did Ozzy actually. And so they strived really hard with Diary to really make their own sound. And I definitely think they did that. Um, so Randy also told his brother that he felt like he was rushed in the production of this album, that um, Max Norman wanted to blow through it. It was recorded in less than a month. And uh, so he was he was unhappy with this recording. But Randy was also a perfectionist and there were many people around him that said he was never satisfied with anything because he was such a perfectionist. Uh, but I just think, I think it's kind of fitting sadly that this is the last album. Um, it's such a great 
they made they just made beautiful music together as cheesy as that pun is they really really did in my opinion absolutely and you know i think going back to what we were talking about earlier about you know would he have stayed after this i think and going back to what you said again about him feeling kind of didn't want to feel like a backup band i think he's on the cusp of greatness just personally he's still so young i mean what is he 23 24 years old and i think once most metal fan the once the world hears him you know in every household you know not to be dramatic but i think maybe he moves on and does his own thing and who knows where that goes yeah i i honestly like i said i think him leaving the band and him dying are two very different things mm-hmm. i don't think sharon would have been able to get away with firing him or letting him leave i think he would have been that one band member that would have been able to force her to come his way a little bit he wasn't um it it seems much for standing up for himself or rocking the boat but i think that they would have come to some terms i think after this album there's no way that ozzy would have let it happen number one or the the fans would have let it happen you know it's just i i think they would have continued together and i think we would have gotten more of the sound of diary for sure Mm. so guys we have to make a choice oh geez (sighs) this is a tough one is this may be more difficult than ride the lightning or kill them all i mean because that was tough not for me who wants to who wants to say first? And for me it's diary. I choose diary. All right. I, I'm I'm at a complete tie. The tiebreaker for me, uh, I love Over the Mountain so much. I love that song. And that's the tiebreaker for me, so I gotta go diary also. All right. Well as much as I love Crazy Train, I'm gonna have to make it unanimous and go with Diary of a Madman as well. So, what do you think Jake would have said? They're both crap. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's exactly what he would have said. said. No, he would have said no more tears. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Oh, so you know what? I almost did once, which now at my age now I really wish I would have done it. I actually sat in a tattoo chair and almost got Ozzy tattooed on my knuckles. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which would have been a horrible thing at the time because I was in my very early 20s. Um, But now I would have worn it like a badge of honor. (laughs) I guess there's still time. I still have a little bit of knuckle left. There is still time. You could always get riff life. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I actually had a dog tag made must have been 1987 i think um i was at a fair one of those like crappy carny ghetto fairs and um they had these machines where they could like punch dog tags like Mm -hmm. say like i love Mm -hmm. so and so or bffs forever and so i asked my mom if i could do it if i could have money for it and i was with one of my girlfriends and so she thought i was gonna get you know that we were like me and my friend Jen were best friends forever. And I walked up to the guy. I'm like, can you say Ozzy's property forever? <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh 
She hated it. I don't know why. I even named, we had two cats. I named, I got my cat first. I named it Ozzy. My sister gets the other cat to be its friend like a week later. And my mom somehow convinces my sister to call it Harriet. I thought you were, I honestly thought you were going to say she named it Sharon. Uh, no, she hated that it was named after Ozzy Osbourne. So when she named the other cat Her- oh, Harriet, it got fucking it. ruined okay, yeah. Ozzy. Uh, yeah. She canceled it out. Oh, she hated it. She hated it so much. <clears throat> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> yeah, and now, but now, if I play it for her, thank God for my stepdad. Thank you, Gary. She'd be like, she'd be like, oh yeah, this is groovy because she still says groovy, even though we all want to scream at her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but it was contraband in my house for a long time. I had to hide all my Aussie tapes because she got a load of diary, the cover of the diary tape and freaked the fuck out. I could see that. She made me throw them away. Of course, I went in the garbage at night, pulled them out, and then, like, got some shit girly, like Debbie Gibson or something. I was just about to say, you probably got a Debbie Gibson Gibson, um, tape cassette cover or something like that. Houston and Debbie Gibson and like <laughs> use those covers over the tape. <laughs> My mom should have known better. I didn't listen to that shit. Oh, <laughs> Tiffany. So all right. Diarrhea is the winner. All right. Ding ding ding. Yay. All right. Well now that that's been settled, how about uh letting our listeners know some of the favorite stuff you've discovered lately or been listening to? Matt? Well, uh, I'm going to skip the podcasting for a second and talk about a band that I believe Ed and I have been really digging these last few days. Actually, Ed told me about them the other day. I'm sure he'll say the same thing after I'm done. And that band is called Unleash the Archers. Oh, you bastard. You took my... Pe- <laughs> um, well, sorry. <laughs> well, you can follow That's all right. Follow Go ahead. Uh, yeah. But holy shit, man, what a great album. The album's called Apex. Um, the the girl, her singer, the singer, I'm, the name is Brittany something. Brittany yes. Slays, yeah. Uh, God damn. I mean, she's got a little bit of, got a little bit of Getty Lee in her. She's got a little bit of Halford in her. She's got an amalgamation of a bunch of different singers. So uh, I would recommend go getting, go checking them out. Freaking awesome! Definitely, yeah. Immediately, as soon as I um, heard that uh, the song "Awakening," I discovered I just listened to that thing to death over and over. And then I went out and ordered the CD Apex, and man, I was hooked. That's a great album from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Well, um, I'm gonna skip talking about. Uh, podcast again today although i am going to give a shout out to my girls the drinking darlings they're just getting better and better you guys listening to them like every week they just oh, get yeah. better i'm so proud of them. absolutely they're so yes um they've come really far um in their journey with their podcast and um i'm so lucky to learn so much from them so they're really kicking ass but i just want to give a shout out to some of our listeners um, some of you guys that contact me regularly and give me feedback, um, I love you for it. Um, so I'm going to use Instagram handles cause that's where we hang out mostly. Um, killjoy for life. What's up my dude. Um, <clears throat> the whiskey still Oh one gives me such amazing suggestions. He's so awesome. 
Um, Lori Foster, I know that you listen with your coworkers, and um, I love you for it. Um, there's so many, so many people that message me regularly and keep messaging me, please, please, please keep commenting also on the metal rock and whiskey, um, Instagram. We really appreciate, um, the conversations that we have, and we really like to hear what you guys think about the show. Um, also ride the lightning, um, another, um, awesome person, and uh, whiskey vinyl. These guys are so awesome. Are you guys familiar actually with whiskey vinyl? I no, yes. I don't think so. No. So whiskey vinyl. They're actually um, from Berlin, and um, they pair. They're really. It's really cool. So they'll choose a whiskey, and they'll pair either a band or an album with it. And um, so they do tastings. You can go and do tastings, and they. So you can you listen to the album. And you do the tasting together. It's such an awesome. I lo- I just love it, and it's like so goes with what we do. So those guys are awesome too. So I just wanted to give a little shout out um, to all of those peeps. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. And uh, one more thing I wanted to mention um, before we close this episode out. Um, as of the today, the day of this recording, um, we, you know, lost one of the great minds that this planet has ever produced. Uh, Mr. Stephen Hawking passed away today. Incredibly sad. Um, Very few have contributed so much to science, to culture. He really transcended science. He transcended everything. Uh, And very, very sad today. So we pour one out for Mr. Stephen Hawking today. Here, here. Absolutely. Been a fan for a long, long time. It's also Pi Day. It's also Whiskey Wednesday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Our podcast is always Whiskey Wednesday, actually. All right. Well, I also want to give a thanks, huge thanks to all of our listeners out there. And um, just uh, remind you to please join us again next week for another episode of the Metal Rock and Whiskey podcast. And that will be part three of our Aussie series. We'll be discussing Bark at the Moon versus The Ultimate Sin. Okay, so to all of you listeners out there, our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Please find us on Instagram. You can search us at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. Please feel free to do the same on our Facebook page. Search Metal Rock and Whiskey and ask to join the continued discussions, participate in weekly polls, and sound off on the show. Find us on YouTube as well, and please subscribe on iTunes. Give a review. Just be nice. Please do not be a dick. Give us that five-star rating because we deserve it. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. You can find me, yours truly, at the Whiskey Ah, I can never get that out. At the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey, save the E. Ed, where can they find you? They can always find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. Sailor? And you can find me on Instagram as Sailor Retro. And, um, hey, Ed, thanks for editing this podcast. You're welcome. We, we give you, Thank we you Ed. hell sometimes to work with. And you do a great job. So we really appreciate it. We You're do. awesome. Clap, um, clap, clap. Also, guys... 
uh, to our listeners, check out our Patreon page. Um, we are actually working on uh, having some merch finally, <clears throat> which is really exciting. Awesome. We're going to have um, glasses and we're going to have stickers and buttons oh, and sweet. shirts. And um, we're going to be sharing some samples and um, having some uh, <clears throat> unique uh, kind of like B-side outtakes that only our Patreons will get to listen to and um, a chance to be a guest on the show as well, which would be really super fun. So um, we would really appreciate anything that you can help us out with. And uh, so as Jake would say, this was a lot of fun, guys. Hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. But now my glass is empty and it's time to go. Be sure to tip your waitress. We're out. And then I would say, fuck you, Lars. Peace. Later, everyone. Bye-bye. I love you more.